welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Spiritual Caffeine, the energy podcast that's good for you. (laughs) And this is episode one, Finding Your Pause Button. So welcome, new listener, new podcaster, myself. (laughs) You are on the cutting edge. Come join me. Well, hey, I'm still happy. I mean, even with all the crazy going on out there, I'm still happy. What? How can that be? I don't know. I've lived through a lot of crazy in my life, so maybe it's about practice. (laughs) But also, I firmly believe that what we choose to create, even in the midst of our anxiety and our angst and our fears, can change our feelings, can change our energy, can change our whole outlook. And it's cyclical for sure. And I'm not trying to downplay anxiety and fears and panic and all that goes along with that. But I also believe that we are beings that were designed to have an innate desire to create. And we can create a lot of dark stuff. We can create medium stuff. We we have a whole palette. So this pause button that we'll explore today is going to kind of give us maybe some food for thought about what we can create during this mandatory pause that the coronavirus has given us. I'm Dana Bishop Sanders, and today we are going to explore how we can manage our thought processes by using our pause button. And also the different ways that others have been able to hit their pause button and use this time to create, as well as how to discover and practice more stillness within. Particularly, we will read some excerpts from a brand new release called The Power of Stillness. But first, what is spiritual caffeine? It's a healthy nutrient for your spirit. I could have called this podcast Spiritual Smoothie or Spiritual Kale, but it didn't make me laugh, so Spiritual Caffeine it is. And we're going to approach these things from an LDS context, but I hope that if you're not LDS, you'll still find value and truth because we will be exploring universal truths that give us energy boosts and spiritual boosts that are found everywhere, such as literature, all of the arts, theater, film, dance, music, visual arts, as well as great thinkers and religious leaders and scientific data and anywhere else we find it. So I hope that you will join us and be on this journey of partaking of our spiritual caffeine buttons. Where's your pause button? Mine is on my left elbow. Shh, don't tell the people in my life who want to know where my pause button is. (laughs) I first read about the idea of the pause button in something Stephen Covey wrote, probably Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but it could have been in the Divine Center, which is an amazing book. 
in uh, whatever book it was, he describes when he was doing early research in his career at a Hawaiian library, and he came across a book, and it was one of those times when, oh, you find a book that just has things in it that hit you so deeply, and the spirit is just like whoosh, and you know you've just read truth, right? And it was this idea of a pause that we can create, we can hit between a stimulus and a reaction. And this is an incredible concept if we think about how we can change (laughs) the process of change that happens between a thought and how we're going to respond. Or in this incredible model that Jody Moore talks about. And if you don't know who Jody Moore is, you're super cool anyway, because I didn't either until this fall when I was hiking with my friend Larie and she was like, Jody Moore, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, who, what? And she's like, what? Oh, you would love her. And guess what? I do. So if you've been living under that rock with me, we are rock roomies. <laughs> and it's cool, but you would do yourself a great favor if you checked her out. Jody Moore. Dot com, I think is her website. She has a podcast called Better Than Happy, which I highly recommend. But then you can also go to her website and just delve deeper into this model that I'm just going to give you in a 10 second snippet here. But it's basically this. And she didn't create this model, by the way. Brooke, Brooke Castillo did, who is the founder of Life School Coaching. But these are two amazing life coaches. And the model goes like this you have a circumstance be what it may, it's neutral. It can seem negative or positive, but it's actually neutral because it's just facts. So right now we have a circumstance of the coronavirus. It is a set of facts. If we're going to be completely real about what it is, okay, without attaching any other stuff to it, then we have thoughts about these facts. And the facts keep changing too, which can also affect our thoughts, but we have thoughts. And between the thought and what is created from the thought, which is a feeling, we can have this moment of pause. Now, they don't really ever use this phrase, but to me, it fits right in with what Stephen Covey teaches, which is that we have choice, right? It's within the pause that we choose. What? The gift of agency. Kind of makes me almost cry when I think about it because we fought for it and when it's taken away here on this mortal plane, it's a big deal. Loss of freedom, right? So freedom of choice. And there's this funny joke about in some LDS culture, at least, I don't know, maybe it's not so much this way anymore. But when I was growing up, it kind of was true, which is this idea of, well, you have your free agency, I guess, I guess, you're going to use it how you want, right? What am I to say? I guess I can't stop you. <laughs> but honestly, our choices create who we are, and it is, it is such a gift. So the joke of free agency and how to enforce it, <laughs> let's have that be in the past. <laughs> so the idea of pause. All right, we're going to uh, examine the pause that we've been given by the coronavirus, this pause in our lives, this pause in how the routine normally goes, and what can come of it. What will you choose? So many people have chosen amazing things. Example, there is a poem by Brother Richard Hendrick. 
he's an, uh, an, he's in Ireland and he's a priest friar in a Franciscan order, the Capuchin. I'm not sure how to say that. Someone, someone help me out there, but the Capuchin Franciscan order. And he wrote a poem uh, as a response to the observations that he was making as to what people were creating within this moment of pause. Because let's face it, you can, within this moment of pause, create something negative or something medium, or there's a whole palette of what we can create. But these people have chosen to pause their button and go, what is happening? This, okay, this is my thought. My thought is it's crazy. Wait, let me pause. Because the thought that it's crazy is creating my feelings of crazy. But let me, if I hit pause, what is happening? Hmm. And within that pause, we can choose. All right. So here's his poem called Lockdown. Lockdown. Yes, there is fear. Yes, there is isolation. Yes, there is panic buying. Yes, there is sickness. Yes, there is even death. But they say that in Wuhan, after so many years of noise, you can hear the birds again. They say that after just a few weeks of quiet, the sky is no longer thick with fumes, but blue and gray and clear. They say that in the streets of Assisi, people are singing to each other across the empty squares, keeping their windows open so that those who are alone may hear the sounds of family around them. They say that a hotel in the west of Ireland is offering free meals and delivery to the housebound. Today, a young woman I know is busy spreading flyers with her number through the neighborhood so that the elders may have someone to call on. Today, churches, synagogues, mosques, and temples are preparing to welcome and shelter the homeless, the sick, and the weary. All over the world, people are slowing down and reflecting. All over the world, people are looking at their neighbors in a new way. All over the world, people are waking up to a new reality, to how big we really are, to how little control we really have, to what really matters, to love. So we pray and we remember that yes, there is fear, but that does not have to be hate. Yes, there is isolation, but there does not have to be loneliness. Yes, there is panic buying, but there does not have to be meanness. Yes, there is sickness, but there does not have to be a disease of the soul. Yes, there is even death, but there can always be a rebirth of love. Wake to the choices you have made as to how to live now. Today, breathe. Listen behind the factory noises of your panic. The birds are singing again. The sky is clearing. Spring is coming, and we are always encompassed by love. Open the windows of your soul, and though you may not be able to touch across the empty square, sing. Example number two, Sarah Croft Nightingale. Sarah is a professional artist who is an incredible person inside and out, just a thing of beauty. She creates beauty. She's a thing of beauty. 
<laughs> and she uh, is going to be offering a free workshop on Instagram. I think she's actually already already recorded it. But if you go to her website, which is sarahnightingaleart.com slash workshop, you can um, head over to that and download it. And there's a PDF bundle as well that comes with it. Um, that contains the image that she will be instructing on. And she's trying to make it really simple. It's going to be a beautiful watercolor that you'll create. And you just need like a watercolor set, even a children's set will do, she says, and a brush, preferably a round one, and some thick paper and a jar of water. (laughs) And you can create in this space something beautiful. She's calling it a window poster. How cool would it be if like a bunch of people decided on their street they're going to have windows of this art. So thank you, Sarah. You're incredible. Hats off to you. I love you. Example number three, my friend Sarah Bailey. I have a lot of friends named Sarah. (laughs) Sarah Bailey just threw out this idea a few days ago to gather all of our children who are serving missions at this point in time and kind of just do them all in one place so that we have all these addresses and we can just write them because as you probably know, most missionaries right now are quarantined for um, an indefinite amount of time. My son is quarantined for at least 19 days in Colombia. And so we are going to just be sending out letters. This is, again, another choice to create something that is a good thing in the world. Example number four. This is my friend Nancy Hill Brower who posted this the other day. She's an artist and a seminary teacher. As I've contemplated the current unseen enemy we are battling against, I am reminded and encouraged by the words of an ancient prophet of God. And this is from 2 Kings 6, verse 15. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. You guys are incredible. I have really good friends. And we can make new friends now in this moment of pause. I've seen funny memes, like the funniest memes ever. (laughs) Well, not ever, super funny memes. I've seen lots of story reading, especially uh, grandparents and family members who normally would be tucking that child in their arms on their lap, but they're still sending their love in whatever way they can. There's astronauts reading books from outer space. It's so cool. Oh, and by the way, I brought back curtsying, just in case you were wondering. That's the thing now. So this is your memo if you didn't previously get it. Or bowing, you choose. Anything that keeps us connected, right? While we're pausing and redirecting our thoughts that are creating our feelings, we can redirect our thoughts towards creation. We are beings designed to create. We really are. And if you've never considered that because you've not thought yourself to be a creative person, rethink that because really creating simply means to bring into existence something that didn't exist before, whether that's an artistic creation or an electronic creation or a virtual creation, 
or an invention or a thought, a smile, uh, giving of your heart, anything that wasn't in existence before, when you bring that forth is a creation. We are creative beings because we are in the Im- made in the image of our Father, the Creator. All right, on to the power of stillness. The authors are Jacob Hess, Carrie Scarda, Kyle Anderson, and Ty Mansfield. They each bring their own profound take on having found stillness in the process of still finding stillness. I mean, it is a process. The entire idea of being more meditative and mindful revolves around a process, which is a huge metaphor for life, right? So I'm working to be more proficient at my focus when I'm practicing meditation. And I will find my mind wandering, which is nothing unusual at all. It's completely normal for beginners. And I don't know if you're an expert at it or not, if this still happens to you. But I do know in the beginning, because that's where I am, your mind, my mind wanders. And it's just simply a, a thing that happens. And you don't freak out about it. Like, ah, oh, why do I keep thinking about these other things? No, you just simply are like, come back. Just come back. And you redirect your thought with the breath. And sometimes with a sound or even a mantra, but whatever you want to do to bring that back, it's just like life, right? It's repentance. When you get off the path, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to bring it back. We don't beat ourselves up with shame. Guilt is only useful as just a spiritual pain, just like physical pain is useful. Like stop hammering your thumb with the hammer. You're causing damage. I'm giving you physical pain so you are aware. And guilt is just the same thing. That's all it is. Stop doing that because it's causing you pain. And if you stop doing it, you will not have pain anymore. And then you can repent, which simply means to turn back, right? To redirect. So we have got this incredible book. Did you hear? I almost said amazing. (laughs) And I'm going to turn to page 54. Oh, but wait, before I do, uh, this is published by Desert Book, brand new release. And there's a really cool quote on the back by Brad Wilcox, which I want to read. He says, there seems to be a lot of buzz about stillness these days. An interesting paradox. Sadly, our world has pitted religion against spirituality as we strive to live more mindfully. This This book reminds us we need both. We don't leave the church in search of stillness. We find it within our covenant relationship with Christ. Take a break from the crazy business of life and read this book. Well, guess what? We've already already been given a, a break, right? You'll be glad you did. Now, maybe you're saying, I don't really have a break, Dana. Hello. All my kids are here from school. Honestly, find, find even if it's like, I'm locking myself in the bathroom while, while people hopefully are not pounding on your door. <laughs> memories. <laughs> oh my goodness, memories. But what an exercise, right? In learning to redirect your thoughts. Take a shower. And listen to the sound of that water. You can practice mindfulness and meditation. Now, here's also the thing is that it's not just carving out that moment as stillness so that you can be still, so that you can seek God and commune with him because it's very hard to hear him with a noise going on. So it is that, of course, but it's also just the mindfulness of choosing a conscious choice. 
the mindfulness of really not doing more, but changing your thought process while you're doing something that you already normally do. So for instance, when someone asks me how I am, I, I have, I really tell them how I am. I listen to the question and don't just rotely answer. And if I ask someone how they are, I really want to know. And sometimes people don't expect that, right? Like, how are you? And I pause and there's stillness there. Like I'm waiting for the answer. And some people are, wait, what? Oh, you're really asking me. Yeah, I am. Like, how are you? How you doing? Same amount of time. Well, it's not the exact same amount of time because if you're just rushing by somebody and you don't stop and pause and really listen and look at them and wait for the answer in that stillness, it does take a little more time, but it's not that much more. And what an impact that really makes when we really see each other. So let's dive in to page 54. This is the chapter called communing. Hmm, communing, communion with God, community, communication. What? I love this chapter. All right, so they're talking about a certain prayer that I guess five-year-old William is commenting on, and it probably was one of those prayers where it was a bit rote. People were just sort of maybe saying phrases. Maybe they were heartfelt phrases, but they were phrases that were not made of stillness, but made of asking and asking and directing and can this happen and can you do this? And maybe there was a sense of thy will be done within that. But five-year-old William said after this prayer, why do we keep telling Jesus what to do? Are we Jesus's king? I thought he was our king. They go on to talk about rather than treating God through prayer as a means to our end, like a kind of tool for our purposes, we've, we can you know, turn that around, of course, by asking how we can be an instrument. And that's when the listening comes in. That's when the stillness comes in. And this is just an example. This book is full of entire um, practical examples of how we can find stillness in our crazy busy um, and so here's a quote by Elder Holland. He says, he's supposed to speak back to us. We'll finish a prayer and be up on our way and back into the hubbub of the world. We need to let him speak to us in a quiet setting, in a still setting. And that probably means after we're through talking, and I hope it's not just requests, when we're through talking, we need his voice. We need to provide an environment for him to speak to us. And that means stay quiet, stay silent, stay in a private setting. We often deny him a chance to reply. And I think, uh, this is me talking now, not Elder Holland, I think it's the trick is finding how and when to do that. Because I know when I was raising my kids when they were tiny, it was such a big deal for me to try to find time to feed my spirit. And it just seemed like that was such a Herculean task. So I feel you moms with little kids. And I feel you anybody else that just feels like it's really hard. But of everything that we can learn to do on this earth, learning to listen to God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that might be number one. I don't know. I mean, learning to love our neighbors, for sure. But learning to love God and listen to him and commune with him, I'm thinking that's number one. So, at the end of every chapter, they have a thing called the practice. 
And so this is what is at the end of the communing chapter. This is just an example of Justin's way of finding and carving out this, this time of stillness. It's Justin's 30 minute lunch break and he's dedicating half of it to sitting quietly in a prayer. He decided to start this Monday and Wednesday habit when he realized mornings were too rushed to be still and in the evening he was too tired to concentrate. After finding the quiet bench at the edge of the duck pond on his work campus, so pause here, so you could substitute that for anything, right? After finding the five minutes in the shower or the 10 minutes in the shower or after finding the moment when the kids are happy, the older ones can watch them and I can take a walk, right? You find this time. He closes his eyes and makes note of what is happening in his mind and body. He takes some deep breaths and allows his focus to leave the work morning and the after work plans and settle into this moment. He thanks Father for the chance to be here with him, pausing as he allows the sensation of loving attentiveness in God's presence to grow. He hears the birds in the trees and feels the warmth of the sun on his back as he lingers in this feeling. And when his mind wanders, he catches the distraction and gently redirects his attention back to the present. After 15 minutes, he ends his prayer, opens his eyes, and takes a deep breath, feeling refreshed, and starts walking back to work. Wow! Well, Justin just started a new habit, and you know what? So can we in this moment of pause. Think about it. Did you find your pause button? Might be under your chin or maybe uh, in your navel or between that second and third toe on your left foot. I don't know. And maybe you already found it, but I wish you well in finding it if you haven't. And thank you so much for joining me today for just a little bit of spiritual caffeine. Please don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and tell your friends. And thank you once again so much for joining me. This is Dana Bishop Sanders. Have a fab day.